Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll remind you that you have a choice in how you want to feel. I'll also be interviewing Eric Karpinski, who over the past 10 years has been on the cutting edge of bringing positive psychology tools to the workplace. Eric has worked with clients that include Facebook, IBM, T-Mobile, Genentech, and many others. In today's episode, he reviews his highly endorsed book, Put Happiness to Work, Seven Strategies to Elevate Engagement for Optimal Performance. This book lays out a step-by-step program that will help you generate sustainable happiness at work. For more information about Eric, please visit puthappinesstowork.com. You may also purchase his book on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Choosing how you want to feel. We've all heard people say that you can't make someone feel a certain way. However, some situations create a cause and effect, meaning something happens and we immediately assign a certain belief system with that, which then causes us to respond in a certain way. What about those situations when things just don't seem to be going right? (laughs) The irony of this is just before I started working on this segment, my computer started acting up and I started to chuckle as I realized, well, I have a choice here. How am I going to feel about this? In psychology, we teach that whatever you perceive to be true, in other words, what that snapshot is for how you see that situation immediately determines how you feel. Your feelings then determine how you respond. So with cause and effect, if you've trained yourself over a period of time to immediately respond in a certain way, that may have worked at one time, but does it work today? For example, your coworker says something to you that you feel you're being disrespected or you're being slighted in a meeting. If historically you've trained yourself that if anyone disrespects you or the perception is that they've disrespected you, that you're going to respond in a very argumentative way, well, once again, that may have, quote, protected you at one time, but does it serve you today? Probably not. Life circumstances will happen. Of course, we can't control many things, but we can control our response and how we want to live or view our life. So going back to the cause and effect, your perception determines how you feel. That feeling determines how you respond. In that same situation with your coworker, what if you were to change your perspective and think, maybe they didn't mean to slight me. In the past, they've never done that before. Why would they do that now? So that logical concept slightly changes your perspective, which then, instead of feeling disrespected, now that feeling then generates a different response. If you find that in a situation, all of a sudden your feelings become greater than probably what the situation warrants. In other words, on a scale of one to 10, if you respond, let's say at a level seven, and the situation only really warranted maybe a level three, more than likely that's a cause and effect that you've trained yourself to respond that way over time, and that becomes an overreaction. Now, once again, you can feel however you want to feel, but I know you, like me, want to live an optimal life. So once again, you can choose however you want to feel, but it goes back to your perception. Have you trained yourself to think about something a certain way that automatically creates that cause and effect, and that cause and effect outcome creates a habit or a lifestyle that you're just not happy with? Well, then this is the key to change it. 
Often we don't realize we're overreacting until afterwards. So the goal is, is in the moment when you can feel a spike of emotion, that is a good indication that you're about to overreact and that may deter you from moving one step closer to living a healthy lifestyle. So the rule of thumb is this, anytime you're engaging with someone, or if you feel this within yourself, that is a really good indication that you're about to overreact and engage in the cause and effect we're talking about. So you slightly change your perspective and think, if I didn't think of it this way, or maybe there's something more to this that I don't know, do I have enough information before I feel and then before I respond? And that quick microsecond buffer allows you to reorient yourself, to slightly change your perspective, and that slight perception difference allows you to feel something different, that feeling then creates a different response. So regardless of where you are in life, with whom you're speaking, or what you're doing, you always have a choice to determine how you're going to feel. And that choice is based on how you view something. You're going to hear a fantastic interview with Eric Karpinski in just a couple of seconds. And he talks more about how to generate a feeling of happiness at work. So this lesson here is a really good platform for you to learn the tools and techniques he's about to teach you. So stay tuned. If you're anything like me, you love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. My guest today is Eric Karpinski, who over the past 10 years has been on the cutting edge of bringing positive psychology tools to the workplace. Eric has worked with clients that include Intel, Facebook, IBM, T-Mobile, Genentech, and many others. And today's episode, he reviews his highly endorsed book, Put Happiness to Work, Seven Strategies to Elevate Engagement for Optimal Performance. This book lays out a step-by-step program that will help you generate sustainable happiness at work. Welcome to my show, Eric. Thanks so much, James. Glad to be here. I am looking forward to this. That was quite a mouthful for me, but that doesn't even cover all the amazing things you've done. So give me a little bit of a backstory. I want to hear, where did you go to school? How did you get involved in this? Go. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, so, so you know, I, like most people, I've always wanted to be happy. Uh-huh. And the world told me really clearly as I was growing up that, look, Eric, if you want to be happy, you got to work hard because work hard, then you'll be successful. Once you're successful, then you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. The circular thinking. <laughs> pretty, pretty intensely, right? Hard work leads to success, leads to happiness. And so I, I, I did what I felt like I needed to. I worked my butt off in high school, did what I could. And between that hard work and, and, and being lucky, be very honest about it, I got two Ivy League degrees. I trained as a scientist at Brown University, and then I have an MBA from the Wharton School. That's amazing. It was, it was great. And, and it also obviously leveraged into <clears throat> getting really sought after jobs and mm-hmm. management consulting and venture capital. By the time I was 30, I was making lots of money. Yeah. I bought a great little house in San Diego. I got married. I've got two, two great kids. I should have been over the moon. If success really drove mm-hmm. happiness, I should have been over the moon. But instead, that stress of constantly needing the next promotion, next, the next set of responsibilities, the next, the next raise caused all that stress. That caused anxiety. I started having a lot of trouble sleeping insomnia then led to depression because you know sure, how you, you're not sleeping well you don't oh my gosh, you can't yes. really control your emotions mm-hmm. well um i was trying to succeed my way to succeed my way to happiness and i completely failed and instead i was in the therapist chair 
taking Paxil, all of the things that were just indicators that this that things weren't going well. Wow. And now here we are today because you've learned so much about that. And I, I'm really looking forward to hearing this, not only from you as someone who has struggled with it initially because of all that success, and then now yep. you're going to give us the tools and, and techniques for that. But one thing I wanted to ask is because many people listening to this, uh, when we hear the word happiness, everyone has a different connotation of what that means. Yeah. And then to take a, an abstract feeling or concept and then to turn it into a practical um, aspect of one's job or one's life can be hard. So I'm looking forward to hearing how you, how you the marriage between an abstract thought and practical tools. But first off, let's go back to what does happiness mean for you as, as we all have a basic understanding of that. Absolutely. When, when I talk about happiness, and this is so, so I'm deeply embedded in the positive psychology literature, the mm-hmm. neuroscience, organizational psychology. That's, that's where I went to when I couldn't find happiness through mm-hmm. success. I went to those reasons because I was trained as a scientist. So I was like, mm-hmm. what does science say about happiness? And that's where I found such a treasure trove of things. It's just still early days for positive psychology. Sure. It was sort of in the 20, you know, early 2000s um, or late 2000, 2008, 2009. And I was, when I found it, I said, this is such powerful things. We need to, I need to share this with the world. So I left that other career in order to come and do this. And when I think about how science kind of defines happiness, the way I think about it, the way I talk about it is really the, the grouping of all positive emotions, mm-hmm. right? So things like feeling satisfied or content, feeling enthusiastic, feeling valued, feeling fulfilled. I include all of that under the umbrella of happiness. Good. So any positive emotions, it doesn't have to be that, you know, running down the hall, high five and everybody like, woohoo, extroverted <laughs> emotion. Like that's sure. great. But even just a sort of slow, hey, I'm feeling pretty good right now. This is all right. That all is what I think about as happiness. And I agree with you hundred percent. Is that also a state of being or is that a response based off of an action? I tend to think of emotions as, uh, as positive emotions as they're, they're, they're short, they're fleeting, they're little experiences that we can create and we can, we can create space for, but we can't force them. And I think a lot of the things about the tools is how do we just plant seeds and create space for these positive emotions to happen, mm-hmm. but not be so hold on. We, when, when, when these things really turn bad is when people are like, I need to be happy and they grab hold of it and they, oh my God, I'm not happy right now. And then that's a problem. Sure which is forced. You can never force it, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, real quick, I want to ask you this. So you went from, um, you decided to leave your career and you went to, to search what, for the meaning of happiness. And for that, to go from a place of success means um, your, your, your happiness is based off success, then to leave it and go to something that you didn't really know very well, what were, what were your feelings that were linked with that? <laughs> so, so I love to talk about um, my, a year into this, career as happiness, mm-hmm. you know, as sharing happiness, I actually went to my deepest, darkest place. It was part, it was, it was a follow on from those things. Cause I got to mm-hmm. tell you, I learned what I heard when I heard about the happiness research, there are so many things I can do to make me happy all the time. Mm-hmm. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> and of course that's not the way it works. Yeah. I ignored the research that talks about and, and negative emotions have a lot of importance and yeah. we need to let a lot of them in. We need to learn what we can from them. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't done that. So I learned the lesson the hard way is that you can't, you can't cover over those hard things uh, with the happiness tools. You need to be able to say, hey, stress and anger and frustration and disappointment, those are all part of life. Yes, they are. Part of what we live. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. When emotions are, in my opinion, emotions can be all neutral. 
And it's just how, it's just when do you feel the emotion? How long do you feel the emotion? And is it mm-hmm. applicable at that time? So there's many different factors that, that belong to that. But yes, there are, there are appropriate times to feel grief. There are appropriate times to feel all, many different emotions. So I'm glad to hear that you look at the full spectrum of it, but also how to generate the umbrella of happiness so therefore people can live a more content, fulfilled, successful life. So good for yeah. you. Wonderful. So when it comes to this book itself, so you've done so many things, you've researched all these things. How did you kind of define this book? Because what I know about this, and one thing I really love, is I love that it's about for individuals specifically to figure it out, and then also for managers and leaders in the workforce to how to incorporate happiness in one's culture. So when you look at that overall, how did you know that that's really the direction you wanted to go with this book? Well, after spending 10 years in organizations, helping teams change culture, use the research to really find more happiness at work mm-hmm. and find more success at work. What I realized is that you can't just take, you can't read the scientific research and then do exactly what they did because they did it in a controlled setting. Mm-hmm. They, they did it in certain ways that they have to for science. But for us, we need to be our own researchers. We need to play and experiment with it ourselves. So I spent a decade doing that. Here's, here's a list. Here's the thing. Here's a, I actually call this, I call it, if you read through the book, I call it the action buffet, mm. right? There are, dozens of exercises, dozens of habits, dozens of things that, that we know work from the research. Your job, as you read through it, is to say, hey, ooh, that sounds interesting. That yeah. sounds fun. I think that'll fit with my team. Let me try it out. You're not supposed to try dozens of, you don't have to do <laughs> dozens of things to change, make a difference. Just a few things integrated. So find the things that sound intriguing. Try them out. Take a couple of helpings, a couple of bites off of the action buffet try it out, not just once. Once is never enough, right? We know everybody resists things and things are awkward when we first try something new, Mm -hmm. but try something a few times. If it doesn't work, that's okay. Go back to the buffet, pick something else that might work better. But, um, But if you do find something, that's when we really step into the next step, which is how do we hardwire it? How do we integrate mm. it into how we do our work every day? Not, hey, let's go do a happiness thing right now. But like, <laughs> hey, yeah. this is our weekly meeting. We always start it with this little connecting thing, this little exercise. We spend two or three minutes planting seeds, creating space for a little bit of positive emotions. Then we, because we like it, we continue to do it. And it, and it really brings it into every day, mm. which is essential if you want to make things sustainable. We're making things into habits that we're consistently sure. doing so that, so that that change sticks. When individuals look at this, that they want to try these new things, or even from, when it comes from a team that wants to, or a leader who wants to incorporate that into the team, how do you create a buy-in for people? Because so if I'm reading this, I'm like, huh, you know, I'm not sure if this would work or not. How, do you, how does one create, or as you, as the, as the expert here, how would you generate a buy-in for me to say, yeah, I, I want to go ahead and try this? Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's two aspects of this. So first, as you said, this book is great for every individual that mm-hmm. wants to be happier at work and wants to bring their colleagues and their coworkers along. 80% of the book is really focused on, on that. 20% it then is really specific for leadership roles and for managers and, and, and executives. And that's where, that's where the motivation part comes gotcha. from, right? Okay. We can all, hopefully you read the book and you're like, yeah, I want to try these things mm-hmm. out in my personal life. I want to try this out at work. But when you're talking about how do we get our teams as a leader along, or even as an individual, how do we get our coworkers to come and try these things with us? That's where just talking about the thesis, um, the core idea of the book is that we can be happier mm-hmm. and science has shown us there's a lot of ways to do it. Let's, let's read it together. Let's find things that, that we want to do as a team, right? Yeah. 
what you don't want to do is dictate. Hey, this sounds fun for me. You guys all have to do it. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, don't tell me to be happy. I'll be happy if I want to be happy. <laughs> yeah. And I, one of the things I say over and over in the book is, look, you can't force anybody mm-hmm. to be happy. Yeah. Don't make these required. Make them suggest, tell them why, why you're doing it. Like, we know that this helps people be happier. We know most people want to be happier. So come try it. But if you don't want to participate, that's okay. Right. Give yeah. them the space to do it. If, if you get it, I like to call it, find two or three co-conspirators, mm. people who are already <laughs> on board with you sure. to be, to make a happier place. Yeah. Once you've got three people, four people actively participating, everyone else is going to come along. Not, maybe not everybody, but 90% of people are going to come along, um, over time because guess what? They feel good. People, feel, people like to feel good. Exactly. One of, the, one of the many, many things I really love about this book is you do incorporate a lot of science and research into it. Because you know, there, there are other amazing authors as well who don't have that part of the book, and which their books are also really good. But I really like yours because someone like me, who has a lot of background in, in things, right. <laughs> will look for more of a, I guess, more meat and potatoes aspect of it so I can understand specifically how does this affect me? How would this affect my team? How does this, does this affect my brain, et cetera? So I'm really glad to hear that you are specifically will help people like myself and a lot of my listeners be able to really conceptualize this. What, what would be some of the, the strategies, you know, maybe for an individual reading this? So they want to have a healthier workplace or happier work, workplace. What would be a couple of strategies that they could use to, to start that process? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the challenges that so many of us are facing right now is, is with, with the pandemic is loneliness and isolation. Um, and so one of the most important things that we can do is figure out ways to be proactive, um, not only about making connections with people, mm-hmm. um, but also opening ourselves to mm-hmm. connections. Yeah. And so one of, one of the things I like to recommend to lots of people is a, is a special type of meditation. I call it a connection meditation in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's based on sort of long Easter. It's called loving kindness meditation or meta meditation, where, where you simply focus on different people. You start with people that you love, right? So you just picture someone and someone who's got a really um, innocent and pure love, right? It's not always your partner or, or, or your kids where you might be frustrated with them, but someone like a, a, a grandparent or a niece or a nephew, or, or someone who's been a benefactor to you, mm-hmm. and bring them to mind and just send them little, little messages like, I, I want you to be happy. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you, be, may you live with ease, right? And you pick your own sentences. I have some in the book that, that are a nice starter, but they need to be your messages, not someone else's. Mm-hmm. And you just open yourself up to the love you feel for them. And you engage in that by sending them these nice messages. You think about your relationship, all those things. And then you change and you move from someone who's that easy and that's easy to love to someone maybe that's, that's close to you. Maybe it is your partner. Maybe it's someone else who there's a lot of love there, but you also sometimes it's conflicted. Mm-hmm. And you, you warm up that, that connection and then you bring it to the next person. And you send the same messages. And then you bring it to someone you don't know that well. Or maybe even somewhere you've got active conflict with right now mm-hmm. to try to spread that. And, and studies out of UNC and Stanford talk about how this increases our empathy mm-hmm. and our ability to want to connect. And, and it's a lot easier. People stick with it longer than they do with mindfulness meditation because it gives you these positive emotions. 
Wow. You know, it's interesting. Just, uh, I want to piggyback off what you said in just a second, but yeah. going back to the loneliness and isolation component, I can't remember which, which study had just done that, but it shows that loneliness and isolation are contributing factors of why people are dying early. So it's now mm-hmm. even one of the top levels of you know, people before it was heart attacks, et cetera, but now it's, it's really contributed to loneliness and isolation, which is so and sad. That's so from things. before the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. It was before the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. And so with that, and now with everything happening so much, and, and my listeners know that my shows are always evergreen, which means they'll resyndicate for time to come. So whenever you hear this, it may be during the, the pandemic or post-pandemic, but it, the research obviously is still very relevant. But yeah, it's actually true. Before the pandemic, loneliness and isolation were the were primary aspects of where people are dying early, which is so sad. So definitely want to corroborate that. And I want to go back to what you just said as far as having those um, the meditation of what you've done. I'm sure the research also states that when you have those, those positive thoughts about people, it does generate dopamine. As we know, dopamine is one of those feel-good chemicals, which can then change your perspective of how you're feeling about something. And then conversely, what you're doing is, or uh, supplementally, what you're doing is you're then taking kind of a spectrum of people you really have a connection with to people you don't. And so you're moving that dopamine, you're moving all those positive thoughts and feelings, and you're translating them, you're transposing them to someone that you don't really have that connection with. So I love that. I think that's brilliant how you do that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so powerful. It really is. And that's the thing, when it comes to mindfulness as well, with different meditations, I think it, to be able to have those thoughts and to generate that, it, it is more powerful because other aspects of meditation, which are so wonderful as well, don't always work for people. You know, for some people yeah. who have, you know, a lot of ADD, it's really hard for them to, to meditate or to be mindful or to do many different things. So I love how, going back to what you said earlier, as far as the, the buffet of all the different techniques of what you just talked about will work really well for somebody. And then they'll find a different technique that can work even better for a different person. Yes. So many, so many practical things that we can do. The research shows us so much. So find the ones that fit for you. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't feel like as it worked for your friend that it's supposed to work for you. It might not. It might. But give, give, give yourself to find the thing that sounds fun and interesting and engaging to you and then to your teams. Exactly. But I'm also thinking this as well. So let's say I am on a team and you are my, my manager and I'm trying to change my culture and my team and I'm doing my best, but then someone like yourself, let's say you're a curmudgeon, some, some angry person. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, you, 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 you squash that. What would be a way that, what technique would I be able to use to help influence that? The happiness movement. Yeah. I think, I think just sort of as we talked about before, there's, there's some curmudgeonly folks or just people that, you know, they, they think some of these things are just goofy or silly, mm-hmm. right? And so if you can get, again, those a couple co-conspirators and mm-hmm. like take that. on one of the things, these things and do it, then the social, the social pressures are for them to, to, to at least, if not conform and be part of it, at least not poo-poo it, yes. right? Because there's three or four people that are actually enjoying it. And they're, and, and that's what you, that's what you want. And it helps encourage those that are on the fence to say, oh yeah, let me go ahead and try this too. And, and once they do for most people, it works and it, and it really helps bring more of that happiness. Yeah. Now I've been saying, well, you're obviously the expert in this, but I'm assuming though, when you have, when your environment, let's say one person, myself is the, is very happy. I'm sure that my happiness factor and my fulfillment factor would then translate to my productivity factor. So if someone, if let's say this curmudgeon doesn't buy into the whole concept of, of the happiness part of it, but if they see my product, productivity has increased, they see my work ethic has increased, then I can see that that would be an entry point for yeah. them to say, huh, well, let me take a look at that. Maybe there's something to that. So I can see how if they don't buy into, like I said, the, the, the behavioral techniques, but you can't change, you know, you can't negate the outcome of my productivity. The data, exactly. <laughs> the data does not lie. <laughs> so that would and be that's, that's what I, one thing I say for leaders is 
keep track of the important things as you start to roll into some of these and, and yeah. work off things off the action buffet. Keep track of your output. I love that. And That's so important. Because then now you've got, even if you've, you've read the book and no one else in the organization has it, but you've read the book and you, and you start doing these things, these are, now it's translatable. Hey, you know, mm-hmm. we did this. We had some fun. People are a lot happier. People are participating. And look, we've got, we've got people a lot more engaged. People are willing to put in a little extra effort. They're willing to work as a team and roll up their sleeves. They're willing to, to help us get to the goals. That's huge. And the, that the core huge. piece of why we, you know, a, a, a big part of that manager section of the book is about the ties from active positive emotions and happiness to how they overlap with work engagement. Perfect. I can't believe the time flew by that fast. Eric, uh, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. If my listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase your new book, Put Happiness to Work, Seven Strategies to Elevate Engagement for Optimal Performance, where would they find this information online? So they go to the website, puthappinesstowork.com. That's the title of the book, puthappinesstowork.com. There they can sign, they can get linked to where to buy the book. They can also sign up for, for the workshop once, uh, once they've made that purchase. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. I really appreciate all your expertise. Thanks, James. Uh, I really enjoyed you. You went in deep with a lot of good, important questions and I enjoyed, I enjoyed the conversation very much. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.